As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Well, it's been a while since I've said this, but happy Monday, happy New Year, and welcome back. It is the first brand new edition of the Athletic Hockey Show in 2024, at least the one that we put together. I know the World Juniors guys were busy, but we weren't last week. Let's be honest. Gang, Monday, January the 8th is officially day one of 2024. Last week didn't count. No one's at work. No one's at school, right? Except for the World Junior guys. I think. Yeah. I think it was the five pounds I gained really- last week don't count either. Nothing counts. Today, day one, January 8th. Who's with me? Hey, the ki- kids went back to school today, so it's like a whole new year for me now. This is New Year's Day for me. Yeah, exactly. This one is feels like it, and we got a brand, you know, we, we wrapped up 2023. We, we did that look-ahead show, right? We were like, here's the 10 big storylines of the year 2023, and I'm pretty sure we put William Nylander's future in there, didn't we? We talked about compelling contract situations well here here we go on day one of 2024 at least for us willie nylander is signed sealed and delivered eight years with an aav of 11 and a half million dollars so 92 million dollars the richest contract in terms of total value in toronto maple leafs history and the question i ask for you gentlemen today is this how does he live up to that like what's the scenario in which Willie Nylander lives up to that contract and everyone's like, yeah, you know what? In hindsight, great deal. Great deal. What's the scenario here, Julian? We'll start. I, I think he, he has to just more or less produce it at the same level that he's been producing at this year or at least somewhere close to it. But that's that's almost impossible. But at the same time, the Leafs, they couldn't let this guy go, right? Or if they did, I mean, they would have to come up with some significant return or just find a way to justify somehow letting a guy that they draft go. I don't know how that would have worked, but it got to a point where the more he was going to produce this year, the more they ran with the risk of that price tag going up. And I'll give him this. Like you look through all those playoff failures where maybe Austin Matthews didn't show up in the clutch. 
Mitch Marner not showing up at key times. You could look at moments where William Nylander did for this team. And I, I have to say it for the sake of the player, I think he deserves it. And I think if they keep, at least with, if with that forward core that they have, they keep them together. I, I want to say there's a chance he could at least come close to that production. And maybe once the salary cap goes up in a few years, you eventually look at that contract and don't think of it as bloated or as expensive as we would think about it in the moment. I I don't know if I have a problem with it for the player. I definitely think about it for the team, but I also, I don't know. It feels like William Nylander's gotten better and better with, as the years go by. And I want to say he can at least get close to justifying the contract, but also ultimately at this point, they're trying to win a Stanley cup. If he yeah, wins like, a cup, like, that makes it, that makes like, everything. Well, that, that's only part of this, that what you just said, that really matters here. If the, if the Maple Leafs win a Stanley cup during the next eight years, then nobody's going to complain about this contract. It's that simple. One Stanley cup, one Stanley cup in eight years, that's what they need. And nobody will complain about any of the money that the Maple Leafs have given up. You're a hundred percent right. Nylander deserves this contract. He earned this contract. The Leafs kind of had no choice but to give it to him because he's a homegrown talent, and you have to you know swallow the pill for a year, wait till Tavares is either leaves or goes gets cheaper, figure out something on Marner. You had to give this out, but it doesn't matter what his production is. It doesn't matter what line he's on. It doesn't matter anything he does as long as his name is on the Stanley Cup at some point in the next eight years. Then nobody's going to be complaining about a single contract the Leafs ever given up. That's only thing the only thing he can do, and it's not even his. You know, on his ability to do it by himself, he has to win the Stanley Cup. If the Leafs win the Stanley Cup, everything's great. Yeah, I'll, I'll add this too. Like, if they don't win a Stanley Cup with him, Marner, Matthews, the Toronto Maple Leafs essentially become the poster child for why you shouldn't make top-heavy teams. Like well, this well, last year, the, the the Golden Knights became the first team ever to win a Stanley Cup with a ten million dollar player. And then one of four eleven million dollar guys. I mean, this is this is this is a roster unlike any we've ever seen in the history of the sport, at least in the cap era. But it is the most top heavy thing I've ever seen. Might work, might not. Yeah, but but look, Tavares has only one more year left on his deal, right? So if you can stomach it for one year, figure out what Tavares is beyond that. Maybe this will work. And as Julian said, look, the cap is likely going to go up if it goes up by five percent a year. Throughout the course of it, but I, I tend to agree with you, Laz. Uh, they win a Stanley Cup; it doesn't matter, and and Nylander could have fifty-five points in his season. It doesn't matter. They win a, It doesn't matter. And but but here's the thing, and I and I love that. I read Gentili and uh, and Dom. They did the the immediate trade grades, and both of them basically said, "A Willie Nylander, A plus. Secure the bag, man. No one's yeah. going to fault you." Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, they got a grade around a C, C minus. But here's the question I have for both of you because, you know, Julian, you're living it with Jonathan Huber, though. Laz, you've lived it, I think, a little bit with Seth Jones. And, and, and the Hawks never won a cup while Kane and Taze were making that 10.5. Never won a cup in that time. But here's the thing we all know how this could play out, which is Nylander's fine, but he doesn't live up to the hype. And then the market turns on him. And everyone gets mad at the player. My question is: In what? Toronto, Ian, I'm disappointed. Yeah, what are you I, talking I think, about? I think I think they chill out. No, yeah, <laughs> won't. but my question is: Why, as as hockey fans, why don't we direct more of the rage and anger 
towards the person in the general manager's chair. Yeah. Rather than the athlete himself. We act as if the athlete should have said, uh, like John, and I'm going to use Huberto as an example, Julian. We act as if Huberto should have said, ah, you know what? 11, that's a lot of money. I I think I'll take eight because I don't want the headache. Come on, guys. Like We lived this in Chicago for years with the Brent Seabrook contract. Right? Right, Seabrook, yeah, another, another one. And Brent Seabrook, one of the most beloved players in Hawks history, a three-time champion, the heart and soul of those teams, fans hated him. They, <laughs> Chicago turned on him so harshly in his last couple of years because his, because his play, admittedly, fell off a cliff. He was not a 6.875, whatever it was, million-dollar player. Nobody was mad at Stan Bowman for handing the guy a contract It was already 30 years old and giving him an eight-year deal worth all the money. Everyone was mad at Brent Seabrook for getting old. I, I, I've never understood why you would ever be mad at a player. It's, it's this weird dynamic we have where sports is the only, only part of American and, or North American society where we give the billionaires the benefit of the doubt and hate or get mad at the working class people, right? Because in hockey, you know, you might be making $10 million, but you're the worker. Your labor here, and we're like, no management, yay! It never makes sense to me. Why should I have a counterpoint? I have a counterpoint to that. I think the we get mad at players; it happens. But the enemy on the other side, or I don't want to say enemy, but the 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 person on the other side isn't necessarily management; it's ownership, and ownership is allowed to be these nameless, faceless money bag people who can dole out as much money as they want, and they don't end up in the eyes of angry fans it's the players they're the expensive ones i think of you know what's the commonality between william nylander and jonathan huberto yeah i'll give you guys one guess give me one commonality between the money who who gave william nylander oh, this tr- money tr- tr- brad tree living and you guys are all saying oh guys will get mad at gms i could think of a bunch of fans in calgary right now who are very upset at the composition of their team and the contracts that they're saddled with because one man decided to give those players all that money. I think in hindsight, there's the benefit of hindsight that's plaguing some of that vision, and you can look in the moment and and understand why a team would want to dole out money for Jonathan Huberto coming off the season that he did, or Jacob Markstrom, who was a a developing goaltender in Vancouver and eventually becomes a a star in, in, in Calgary. There's reasons why for it, but at this point now with the team where they're at you you would there are fans that would like to see them get rid of some of those contracts and i think for gms they're not necessarily excused from from that either it's a lot easier to blame a player who plays in a game where they lose against the team with more money on injured reserve than on the actual roster but that doesn't mean the gm is excluded from any of that criticism either i think I, it's it's ownership that gets that gets pushed away from that as opposed to a Craig Conroy or a Brad Treliv no, you're right. I, I just get frustrated when people get mad at a player for securing that bag, right? Like they get yeah. mad at him, like, oh, he's going to deserve this. It's like, you know, don't be mad at the Dodgers for giving Shohei Otani $700 million. Be mad at the Pirates owner who is also a billionaire and who is sitting there just trying to make luxury tax money uh, to keep himself, to just to make money on this and isn't spending on his team, right? I always get, I always get these do that differently. What's that? No, but just with baseball, there's a whole other thing with. Oh, well, sure, but I, it, it just drives me nuts when but people right. get mad at the player for making the money. When the player is the one you're paying tickets to see, the player is the one that you're turning on the TV to see. The player is your guy. It's it, it, I, I don't understand when people turn on a player for making a lot of money. That is, he didn't make that call, man. The GM did, and the owner's paying it. And why are you mad at the guy who made the money? So yes, we can all see five years from now when Toronto turns on Willie Nylander. We can all we've all seen this a million times in a million right. cities, 
And I, I just, it should, it shouldn't happen. Nobody should be mad at Willie Nylander for getting paid. This whole like, oh, in Boston they take less money because they care about the team more. Get the hell out of here. Like that's not how this works. And you know who hates it when players do that when they do take less money when the other players, the NHLPA does. Yeah. Because a rising tide lifts all boats. It is a player's responsibility to his fellow players to get as much money as possible to raise the floor, to raise the ceiling. It is it is disrespectful and, and detrimental to your fellow brethren of the in your union, your NHLPA union, if you uh, you know intentionally take less money than you're worth. So don't get mad at the player. I'm just trying to preemptively stop that. Yeah. No, and, I, uh, I just want to add one more thing here. More people should be mad at the at the GMs, not just because of the money that they dole out to these players, but if they know they have to commit that money to that player to get them to stay, it should be on the responsibility of the general manager to ensure that they find ways to build around that team and make sure that they're good. And, and I for, understand the, for the record here, like we're, we're, yeah. we're, 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 we're kind of going down a, a, a road here. We're kind of we going are, down a road, but, but it's worthwhile. Leafs, I think Leafs fans right now are very happy with this. They, like they were worried that Nylander could leave at some point. And then the last couple of weeks when when all the insiders were reporting that they were moving close to I think I think they they understand the risks. Leafs fans are smart. They 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 know how hockey works. They understand the risk, but they they wanted Nylander to stay. Maybe they would have been happier with a four or five year deal, like a Matthews type deal. I think everybody benefits from that. But I don't think anyone right now is upset about this. The, the just, we're, all, we're all predicting the future here. That's all. The irony yeah. is when they get Matthews for four or five years. The fans are like, ah, why couldn't you get him for eight? And, <laughs> and then you get Nylander for eight. You're like, ah, I really wish this was a four-year yeah. deal, right? Like, there's no. I, I, I wish these players. You're would not going to make all these guys happy. Year deals. No. Yeah. These I, guys should all be taking two-year deals. I agree with you. Yes, but they don't. That that's not it. That's not baked into the culture. Yeah. The, the sport is get the security and then. I tried. I did a story on that last summer at the at the draft. Yes, the awards guys there. I was bugging McDavid and and McCarr. I was like, "Why don't you guys take two year deals?" And they're like, "I just don't want to have to move every couple of years. I don't want to think about this every couple of years. I just, I'm like, but you'd make so much more money." And I think it was McCarr who goes, "I'm making a lot of money, man." (laughs) I don't know, man. It's just. But also, job security is important, right? Yeah, and and yeah, we're yeah. in different spots as as journalists. I mean, if someone comes up to us and says, "Hey, here's eight million per year, eight for eight years guaranteed," how many of us don't jump at that? I already did. You don't get that. <laughs> That's how Laz got to the athletic. He took an eight <laughs> times eight. I gotta go, guys. I gotta talk to you. <laughs> you need some representation. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so Willie Nylander signs. It's the big deal. Uh, but one of the big stories that came out of the weekend, last involved Connor Bedard. And 
Uh, it, it's tough to see the, the brightest young light in the game extinguished, at least temporarily. Let's first talk about the hit from Brendan Smith, because I know you you talked about it. You, you, know, you get the Luke Richardson quote, and you get everything. You get all, all of the information. But fan bases are funny. They, get, they tend to get real opinionated about hits. So how is the Chicago fan base feeling uh, towards Brendan Smith after that hit on Connor Bedard? You know, I don't. I think that the night that it happened, people were up in arms about it. But the more people watched it, I mean, nobody did anything wrong here. I mean, we all know that Brendan Smith is tall. Connor Bedard is short. Bedard made a dangerous play through the middle. I mean, he was a high risk, high reward kind of play. Uh, the hit was into the was into the chest, his shoulder into the chest. But Smith is just so much bigger than Bedard that it got him in the face too. It's just a really unfortunate play that happened. But Brendan Smith's not at fault here. I, mean, I know he, you know, Nick Foligno did what he had to do and, you know, challenged him to a fight and, and, and that took care of it. So guys aren't running around trying to cheat. Look, you injure a player, a team star, they're going to, it's going to turn into a, 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 you know, a bloodbath on the ice. And that's kind of what that game devolved into. But, you know, Boris Kachuk of the Blackhawks said afterward it was a dirty hit. You all saw it. I don't think he really believes that. I don't think if he sees the replay, he's going to agree. Luke Richardson very quickly said, look, there's nothing wrong with this hit. It's, it's just, this sucks, but nothing wrong with the hit. Um, and that's a guy who knows bad hits. He delivered a lot of them in his time uh, as a player. Uh, it, it's just a lousy, crappy situation when a guy who's playing so well, who's really the only reason to watch the Chicago Blackhawks this year. Uh, we don't know how long he's going to miss. Typically, it's like a month, six, six, seven weeks with a broken draw. But we don't know how severe it is yet. The Hawks haven't given a time till yet. They're waiting for the swelling to go down still. Um, you know, if you're looking for good news, this is this, this is this had a, was a thought I had yesterday. It's like. This is a good kind of injury. You know, jawbones heal. It's not like it's a knee. It's not a concussion. It's not a soft tissue thing where he like ripped a hamstring or something. And, you know, you don't, you, you don't know how it's going to be the rest of his career. This is not going to be an issue once he comes back. He's going to wear a face shield by next year. He won't even be thinking about it. These, this, this is the kind of – it's like Connor McDavid is a rookie with his collarbone. It's not, it's not anything that's going to affect his career other than, you know, a couple of months here, which is a bummer. But, you know, I guess it could always be worse. Yeah, I'm really bummed at the fact that for however long we're not going to talk about some cool highlight or some cool soundbite. You're bummed. What am I going to write about for six weeks? Good God! Yeah. I was about to say I I, I saw I saw the the Sportsnet interview you did in between the the periods for Flames and Blackhawks the other day, and it just I could tell that just seeing that injury, you just aged in a couple of days. Like I don't know how it's going to go for you for the rest of the I don't season. Have much more also, to how's age. it going to go for the rest of the league too? I get it. Mark's in the situation in, in the market, so he gets to cover him every day and cover the Hawks every day. But for us talking about, you know, oh, fine, we're going to talk about other players, and there are great players to talk about in the National Hockey League. But we're very much into the shiny new thing, and Connor yeah. Bedard is the shiny new thing, and. It's going to suck with him gone for like a month. And I, too, also thought the hit was not dirty, but it, you're allowed to feel you're allowed to feel sucky about it. You're allowed to feel upset about not being able to watch one of the best young players in the game play right now. And also, I'm really intrigued about that timeline, because what if it's long enough where Chicago says, eh, I don't know if he's going to be available for the all star game next month? Like already you're you're looking at different markets that. We're looking forward to having Connor Bedard. Like it, like it looks as if he might miss the return Calgary Chicago game later on this month. I don't know if you guys remember this, but last year when he was playing in the Regina Pats, he had that incredible shootout goal that actually was at the Scotiabank's Saddledome. And I think at that time was like the largest crowd he said he had ever played in front of. Like there are markets like that in other venues that are going to miss out 
on 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 Connor Bedard for the next little while. There's a well, business yeah, the aspect. Of I too. got from people like, oh, I'm flying in from Australia this week to see Bedard play, and now he's not. I mean, people built vacations around the idea of seeing Connor Bedard play. I mean, this really sucks for a lot of people. It, it that sounds yeah, like you're a feature. To it sucks. That's a feature story if I've ever seen one. If if I've learned, oh, one don't get us started. You, people don't read stories about other fans. Yeah. Um, Don't get us started about feature stories. I mean, to kind of pull the curtain back here, Mark and I literally worked on a game day feature that was supposed <laughs> to run on Sunday involving Connor Bedard. And then Connor Bedard got injured. And that's. I think, I think we're holding it till March 26th is the next time Calgary's in Chicago because he ain't going to be yeah. back and we're there in two weeks. Nope. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, there's a there's a domino effect that was that. that we're plays the, on as a we're the real victims here, Ian, is what we're yeah, saying. That's it. <laughs> uh, I wonder how do you think this impacts Bedard and the and the Calder Trophy race and, and I bring it up and and Mark you brought up uh, in his rookie year McDavid I think it was Brandon Manning of the Flyers who took him into the boards yeah. and and he yeah. was out so McDavid was limited to forty five games in his Calder Trophy in his uh, rookie season finished third in the Calder Trophy voting Artemi Panarin won the award yes he did trivia time do either of you and this is a totally random question yeah. Anyone else know who finished ahead of McDavid in the the Calder Trophy race in the year in which McDavid finished third? So Panarin won it. It wasn't Eichel, was it? No, this will really surprise you. I'm not even going to go down the road of giving it. I know so much about that Calder race that you, you think I'd remember, but I, they all blur together at this point. Ghost Bear. That's right. Shane Gustafsbear. Ghost Bear. Yeah. What? Yeah, I know. Um, oh, man, the amount of times, the amount of people that were so like people get so mad about some of these individual awards, like the Calder Trophy, like the people that were so mad that Panarin won it when he was like 25, 26 years old because he's come over from the KHL. They were so mad. He shouldn't be eligible. Like, like what, what, what I, I get you want your, your guys to win things, but like, what do you really get out of your, like, do you get an award too? If your player, if a player on your team wins it, I, I never understood that. No, it's so worked up about it. It's like the same people who get mad about seeing players make contracts and not live up to them, right? Yeah. Like they feel they're entitled to some of that money. It's the same eight guys just getting mad. They just rotate through all the uh, the topics. They're all in my Twitter them. mentions at all times. I'm yeah. curious. I'll, I'll add this though for their Calder Trophy race. Like if if this means that you know I I'd be still very surprised if Connor Bedard doesn't still end up winning it because of the season that he's had. But does that mean like Brock Faber is the next guy? Because he's doing some incredible things in Minnesota, yeah, locking it, all those minutes. It, it just yeah, the ice time much. is yeah wild, it, like unbelievable, like that amount of ice time. And don't forget Marco Rossi's in there too. Faber's teammate yeah. in Minnesota, he's having a really nice year. I mean, it all depends. If, if Bedard's back in six weeks, he's going to wind up with enough points and enough games that he's still going to win it. But if this drags on a couple of months, which again we don't have a timetable yet, the Hawks have given us. No timeline here. We don't know how severe. Like, is it a partial fracture? Is it a clean break? Like, we don't. Is it a comp? We don't know anything about this yet. Um, if he misses a lot of time, he's not going to win the Calder, just like McDavid did. And that's just you know, it's life in the big leagues. Yeah, and you know, and if you're Bedard, you could take solace in the fact that McDavid didn't win Rookie of the Year because he was hurt. Crosby didn't win Rookie of the Year because Ovechkin outshined him, and Gretzky didn't win Rookie of the Year because they deemed him ineligible. Yeah. So. Arguably, three of the guys that are on the Mount Rushmore in hockey history didn't win Rookie of the Year. So I think he'll be okay. And like you said, Laz, this isn't a knee, a concussion, a when he comes back, you're not going to be thinking. Like next year in October, you're not going to be like, boy, I hope his jaw is good. Yeah, I mean, nobody uh, wants to be drinking I mean? out of a straw for six weeks with your no, jaw wired no. shut. This is, this is not a career-affecting injury. That's the good news.
No. By the way, confirm from Ian, if you've won the Calder Trophy, you will not end up on the game's Mount Rushmore. You're a bum. Confirmed. Uh, That's what boy. you're saying, essentially. Did did Barrett Jackman win the Calder Trophy one year? There's been, there's, yes, there's he did. Some interesting ones. Yes, he did. So, yes, you know what? Um, I don't know why. I don't know why I said that. Tyler Myers won. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Skinner won. Steve Mason won. Patrick Kane won. Him. That's the last Chicago guy before Panera. Did Andrew Raycroft win it? Andrew Raycroft won the year before Alexander Ovechkin and the year after Barrett Jackman. Yeah. What a run! That's a lot of really interesting. Brian Burrard, Chris Drury won. Yeah. Um, there's some really interesting names. Well, on, I mean, on there's this. a lot of guys who win the Calder Trophy with like 40 points, right? Or you know, yeah. a mediocre goaltending season. Like, it's not always like a spectacular rookie season that does this. You wind up getting a lot of guys that they they just reach their ceiling faster, right? And like a guy like Brock Faber, he's what 22 years old. I mean, he played in college for a while. You know, he's like significantly older than than Connor Bedard. It's just like the Artemi Panarin, um, you know, and McDavid race back in the day. Like he's significantly older. Theoretically, that's an advantage, but that's the rule. The rule is twenty six and under. So yeah, and 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 by the way, for a bonus episode coming up this week, we'll just have Julian reading off the list of Calder winners uh, in the expansion era. So there's nothing better. I would do that. The best kind of I podcasting would. is. Hosts Googling things, podcasting. That's the yeah, best. that's the absolute best. That's like fifty uh, percent of my livelihood. Just Googling things on site, and yeah, they'd be like, yeah, "Oh yeah, I know yeah. what I'm talking about." Yeah, oh, yeah. now I know things. Barrett yeah. did win the the rookie. The I would do. I would generally do an episode of just of just getting people to guess like the Carl the Trophy winners from like 2023 <laughs> to like ninth to like whatever first. You year. might be doing that on the Blackhawks beat in about two or three weeks at this rate. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When you're trying to grow a business, the caliber of person you bring in to help you do that is really important. And LinkedIn makes it really easy to interview the right people for the role, quality people. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional. On LinkedIn, 25 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NHL show. That's linkedin.com slash NHL show to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. 
Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Before we get into the next topic here, I just I literally just got an email from one of those uh, sports books that are always trying to get press on the latest Calder odds. They still have Bedard as a heavy, heavy favorite. Oh. Number two, Luke Hughes. Then Brock yeah, Faber and Ben Kelly at equal, equal levels. So. Are you so ever worried like, that Hughes, we didn't bring him up at all in that discussion? He's yeah. killing it in New Jersey. He, he's doing really well in New Jersey. Um, you ever worry that last that like you know you're you know how the phone it's paying attention to you at all times like what are the odds that we just have that conversation and all of a sudden boom you get the email I, i'm pretty sure that's how facebook works so yeah, yeah. i have no doubt that someone's listening at all times they're just hearing me sing to myself uh walking around the house making a turkey sandwich all day like, long like like the targeted mm. ads that we get on instagram all that stuff. i'll look at one shoe online and then all oh. of a sudden i get oh the worst is you, the worst then you buy a shoe and you're still getting shoe ads and you can't just like tell the ads i already bought hey. the shoe yeah, I have I 20 you. pairs already. I can't I can't buy more. I bought a new bed three months ago. I'm still getting bed ads every single website I'm at for months. I'm not buying another oh. bed. Damn. 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 <laughs> anyway, uh, Any- subscribe to the athletic. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What's what's the deal today? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right. I'll tell you what. I want to have this conversation. I'm gonna throw this out kind of in a poll format here. Maybe get the listeners to to weigh in on this too, because we're going to start here's first week kind of 2024 start of a new year. And I want to take a little step back and I ask you to go back to last year at this time. So go back to January of 2023. And if I had to ask you a year from January, 2023, a year from now that either Winnipeg is going to be sitting essentially in first place overall in points percentage, that Vancouver would be in the President's Trophy race or that Philadelphia would be in a playoff spot in January of 2024. Laz, let me start with you. What's 2023 Laz surprised by the most here in 2024? Man, I just watched the Rockford Icehogs beat the Calgary Flames. Nothing in this league ever surprised (laughs) me. Honest to God, like, Day to day, year to year, decade to decade, this sport makes no sense. This league is asinine in all the best ways. Like, I I would have been a little surprised, but I've been like, yeah, that tracks. I mean, we all thought Winnipeg was going to get gutted, right? They were going to let, you know, they were going to trade all their guys. Hellebuck was going to go somewhere else. They were going to do all these things. And they're the best team in the league? Really? What? What? The Flyers? The, we all laughed at the Tortorella hiring. And then, you know, they're going to be tanking. And then and, and now they're in the playoff. Like, None of this makes sense, but this is the this is what we love about hockey is the unpredictable nature of it, right? Like none of this stuff makes sense. Every year there's a team or two like this that just comes out of nowhere. Uh, I, this is what I like. I, I I love seeing stuff like this because you know there's a lot of sports where you know going into the season what's going to happen. When you're watching baseball, you know the Dodgers are going to win 105 games this year, right? You know <laughs> that you know this year the. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at all the look at all the money they're spending. They right. better win 105 it, games. It, it might not translate to playoff success, but you know it'll translate to success in some way. Hockey, you don't know that. It's so random and unpredictable. And you know, a goalie gets hot or a goalie just falls off a cliff. Like we see this all the time in, in the NHL. And you know, none of what you just said makes sense, Ian, which is why it's completely believable. I don't know. I, I think it's the timing with regards to what Ian brought up is very important for me with this question, because at this time last year, if memory serves, Winnipeg was good. People forget Winnipeg that first half of the season, they were a good team. 
So if you were to tell me that in a year from now, us being in 2023, that Winnipeg would still be really good, I would believe you. And I wouldn't think about the fact that they had that second half of the year collapse. Even Philadelphia, you know, we all thought the John Tortorella hire would just re- result in some hilarity. And it did to a certain extent. And a lot of overtime but, losses. Right. But yeah. like John Tortorella, essentially what he's supposed to do is go to a team, coach the hell out of them, and find a way to make lemonade out of the lemons that he has. Like we'd we'd laugh it off and we'd we'd think like, okay, well, we'd laugh it off at the beginning, but we'd think, okay, you know what John Tortorella is supposed to do is the January thing is important. Because do you guys remember that first half of the season for the Vancouver Canucks last year? Do you remember how they started? Do you remember how it felt like every week there was something wrong with this team? JT Miller getting mad at his goalie, the way they handled Bruce Boudreaux, Rick coming in as head coach. Like there are fans in, in Vancouver right now who are looking at Connor Bedard who are thinking he should have been ours. And their their fans are going to feel that way. So if you were to tell me in January 2023 that the Vancouver Canucks would be really good and to the point where Quinn Hughes would be a North Trophy favorite and we'd have have a whole discussion about players on the team who might miss out on on the All-Star because of the votes, I would look at you crazy the most with that one, I think, considering what we had just seen with them a couple months earlier. Again, the timing is the most important thing with that question. But when you looked at that Vancouver team last year, it was like, why are they bad, right? I mean, it was loaded with talent. They had a great goaltender. Like, it didn't make sense that they weren't good. So I feel like this is like a regression to the mean almost. Maybe they've gone a little far the other way, you know, the the Kings of PDO and all. But, like, that's a good club with lots of good players on it. And we were wondering last year, again, just like Winnipeg, are they going to get rid of some guys? Are they going to trade Miller? Are they going to trade? They did trade Horvat. And, you know, you look at – but that was a good club with a lot of good players. That was underachieving. I feel like them being good this year is more likely, more realistic than, like, say, the Flyers. When you look at that lineup, you're like, oh, this is not a good team, right? But they're playing right. Tortorella hockey. They get, they, they, they're in every single game. That's what Tortorella does. Right. I, but I feel like with that Vancouver core, they were underachieving for a while. Like, this wasn't a situation where, like, like they had gone through Travis Green, they had gone through Bruce Boudreau, and now they're on Rick Tockett. Like, like Jim Benning assembled this core and Jim Benning has now become a running joke in Vancouver because of how he assembled the core and how we traded for some of these pieces. This is not a team that had been dominant for years. And then they had one year where it just fell off. This was a core that I think a lot of people were ready to give up on. And now they're playing to their full potential. Like you're right. Like this people should have been wondering for a while why they weren't playing well, but it's something that people were wondering for years with this team. For me, it's Philadelphia, though. Like, I mean, come on. Like, we thought this... Remember, last year, they were just on the verge. They ended up changing out the general... They had a huge regime change, right? Rear came in. Keith Jones came in. Like, it was a... It was a not chaos. That's probably too strong of a word. But the feeling was they needed to kind of recalibrate in Philadelphia. And then they needed to... I never thought they would be competing for a playoff spot as early as this year. Like, nope. no way. I, what a... To me... It's it's mind blowing, mind blowing to me. But you're right, Julie. Good good reminder on Winnipeg. They did come out of the gates pretty strong last year. Maybe that's the the question. The answer changes if we go to like, you know, a different point of the year, right? When yeah, we like last off season, hello, like if you're asking us from the off season, like that's a completely different change because the Vancouver Canucks did get a little bit better after Rick Tockett became head coach. 
Uh, Philadelphia, maybe you could still have them as the answer. But Winnipeg, look, I'm still surprised that they're as good as they are. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you, because I thought this was a team that was going to commit to a rebuild. Not only did they not do that, they doubled down on Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck, and they're winning. That's another team in the same boat as Winnipeg, where a lot of people looked at their core and people were starting to give up on them. Remember, they got rid of Blake Wheeler in the offseason, and yeah. now he's he's on that. He's, I don't know how he's doing with the Rangers right now, but that was a guy who had the C in that market for a long time. They took the C off of him, yeah. and then he's gone. That's a team that I thought it was it was done in terms of believing in them because it seemed like they had the pieces to win. They just didn't go on any lengthy playoff runs. They might be in for one this year. So Winnipeg, Philly, Vancouver, if the playoffs started today, they're all in the playoffs. And our pal uh, Sean McAdoo, down goes Brown, in his Monday kind of weekend wrap, said, you know, it's kind of that time of year. It's halfway point of the season. We can start to look at some potential playoff matchups. Things are starting to kind of crystallize a little bit, or you can start to imagine some playoff matchups. So for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to list off if the playoffs started today. I'm going to list off the eight matchups. You guys tell me you get a chance to cover or, a, you know what, maybe not cover. I, I, I don't Ooh. want you to cover. I want you to be there as a fan and enjoy Ooh, this okay. series, okay? I don't want to put more work on your table, or on your plate. I want you to enjoy. So here are the eight series as they're currently constructed. You guys get to pick one. You attend all, attend all seven games. Here you go. Vancouver against Edmonton. The Rangers and the Islanders. Man, that's well, gonna be fun. I wonder what I wonder what last one. I wonder which one Mark wants to go yeah, to. Huh? I think I'm legally required to yeah. pick that one. Uh Dallas, Colorado, which kind of feels like it should one. be a Western Conference final, but it's yeah, a first round matchup. Winnipeg, Minnesota, mm-hmm. Toronto, Florida. We oh. want we want Florida. Not Florida. <laughs> we want okay. Retribution. Boston. Boston, New Jersey, Carolina, Philadelphia. Yeah, oh, looks like I Julian's not, not going on that trip. Uh, yeah, and, I feel like we could skip those last two. And the last one is Vegas, LA. Vegas, Ooh, LA. Again, pretty good, pretty a, good matchup. That's there. a sneaky good one. All right, Laz. Everyone, right, everyone is saying you're going to take New York, New York. What are you taking? Look, I. I, I I was 14 the last time there was an Islanders-Rangers playoff series. I was at one of those games. The Rangers bageled the Islanders six love, six love in, the, in those two games. It was a disaster. Some of the darkest days of my childhood. It was bad stuff. But, I mean, it doesn't get much better than Islanders-Rangers in terms of hatred and all that. Like, yeah, I would be legally required to pick that. But, honestly, the series that I would most want to watch, actually watch the hockey involved, that's Vancouver-Edmonton to me. I feel like that's a great series with two cities that are constantly on the verge of collapse. If something bad happens to them hockey wise, like the just, just the sheer panic level for one team going down one nothing in that series would make it so much fun to be a part of and to be around. I I do want to cover that. I, I don't know if I can sit and watch in the stands as a fan anymore. I want to I want to be writing about that thing. I I will I will volunteer to work and cover Vancouver Edmonton because the hockey will be beautiful. It'll be crazy, crazy crowds, easy travel, and it just the the storylines will write themselves because it will be panic city both ways. And and remember, early in you the year, you can have your battle of Alberta. I want Vancouver Edmonton. Remember, early in the year, it was Vancouver who arguably yes. plunged Edmonton into an identity crisis. Yeah, right. Did. With with some beatdowns and some you know 
Oh boy, that would be good. Julian, you get to go to any series. Maybe you want to be a keener like Laz and you want to actually work the series. I'm giving you the option to take it off and enjoy. But what are you taking? Keener? Is that a word? Keener. Keener's a word. It's a Canadian word. It's a Canadian it's term, Canadian eh? I thought it was just universal that way. Um, I, Keener is a word. It's also, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I am going to Vancouver, Edmonton, but I'm showing up with my NHL hat and pulling my best Rob Lowe impression because <laughs> I don't need to be a fan of either team to enjoy that series. I can just sit, sit there in the crowd. Edmonton's only three hours away from where I live, make the drive up and just be like, I hope both teams have fun. Because I'm going to have a lot of fun watching those two teams go at it. But I will give an honorable mention to Toronto, Florida. Because we 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 alluded to it with the We Want Florida chance. There are a lot of Leafs fans with a lot of bad tastes in their mouths after that postseason. You win a first round. You beat the Demon in Tampa Bay only to stumble against Nick Cousins and the Florida Panthers. (laughs) I think for a lot of people, I mean, there's a chance for revenge if you're a Leafs fan. If you're Florida and you get to double down on another beatdown on on Toronto, man, that's just going to fuel you going forward. Something about Florida teams with with Toronto just causes them pain. And, And it's cool to see that the Panthers went from this like Cinderella team last year to a team that's that could end up as a top three team in their division. Like it's cool to see them kind of progress, right? Like sometimes you'll see the, 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 the Cinderella team, they make it to the playoffs, they go on the run. Everyone's exhausted. The bottom falls out. They miss the playoffs. Florida could change all that, not change all that, but they could do the opposite. And Sam Reinhardt could get himself paid in the process. So, let me throw out a couple of other. I I don't disagree. That would be a great. Where series. are you going, Ian? Where are you well, going? Yeah, where are you throw, going? Let me throw out a couple of suggestions. So Winnipeg, Minnesota has gotten real spicy lately with Ryan Hartman, Cole Perfetti. Yeah. What if I told you if we could arrange for Mike Russo to drop the puck in Winnipeg <laughs> for one of the games? Would that change your mind? Hey, would you have? Would you be like oh. in like a, like the Pope Mobile, like in a glass <laughs> enclosure? You'd have to be. I like at the end of the year, we should do like every year we do a ranking of what athletic writer was most hated by another team's fan base. <laughs> I don't know if Russo's gonna have competition. Is it like who else is in the running this year? Winnipeg fans are all over Russo. Um oh, man. What about when Chicago fans are all over me? Does that count? No, no, no. Yeah, we start ranking athletic writers who are hated by their own fan base. (laughs) No, no. It's expected that our own fan bases have problems with us. It's when you it's when you light up like it's when you light up another fan base that it's the ultimate sort of, you know. Oh man. Um you know, poor Max Boltman, who is the nicest guy. Yeah, we don't have a lot of antagonistic Ma- writers. There's Max, not a lot of Max got it from Ottawa fans over the Dylan Larkin, David Perron, you know, mm. Matthew Joseph. Really? He got it. He oh, and he didn't even he wasn't even overly opinionated. He got it, but but no one's touching Russo right now. Are we like listeners yeah. can help us out? Listeners help us out. Is there another athletic writer who took more heat? <laughs> from an opposing fan base than Russo v. Winnipeg fans. This doesn't come close, but there was a time on another podcast I was on. uh, We had done an episode talking about Lou Lamorello's face, like the shaving policies that he's got with Islanders players. And my mentions were just littered with Islanders fans calling me a Toronto guy who doesn't know anything for a week, which is hilarious. Islanders fans are, are, you know, they are, they're blunt. Yes, 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 they are. They are very blunt and 
it doesn't matter if you they, they also i mean i don't know if i'm gonna get in trouble for saying this islanders fans have little brother syndrome i'm sorry oh, God, yes. they, grew up they do they absolutely do it just it's just been that case yeah. and i no, think i, I wrote a whole poem about it from the uh, islanders kane story like, series last year when i was covering that one about what it's like to be an islanders fan i mean and, you know it was the kind of column that if I had written in any other market, people would have been like so mad at me, like you were making fun of us. And Islander fans are like, he understands. He's one of us. <laughs> like it's a, it's, it is a it is a unique fan culture. Like in all it, it is, it is. I love I love them to death. They are a lot. They are a lot to deal with. But I, I you know, it's 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 a great fan culture in a lot of ways. But that makes Arthur me, Staple got he, a lot when uh, he wrote about uh, the John Tavares game, right? Didn't Leafs fans get mad at Arthur Staple, or was yeah. it, that was kind of tame? Yeah, because of the th- because uh, you know Tavares got his thousandth point, right? Yes. And oh, yeah, there was yeah, a yeah, great yeah, debate, and and basically Staple was like, "Hey, you don't know Islanders fans. Let them just be Islanders fans." And yeah, you're right. You know what? Good good recall there, Julian. I, I think that that one might be on the list, but I don't know. We'll ask Russo later this week yeah, if Russo. he uh, yeah if he's got any competition. Let me, let me ask you guys this: at the risk of taking us down another rabbit hole here. Uh, who cares? Can you sit down at an NHL game like a fan now? I don't think I could do that anymore. Yes, I can. I can. No. Here's, here's the thing. I don't think I could do it in I'd terms of writing leads of, in my head from section three nineteen. No, I, I think I'm a lot. I I like the idea of going to a game and not. This sounds kind of weird to say, but not having a rooting interest and just enjoying the game for what it is. One cool thing I've been able to do being in Calgary and being far away from home. Whenever people come to visit me, I try to take that as the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to take you to a Flames game. And knowing that, like, I don't cheer on the Flames, I don't cover the team. I could never go to a Blackhawks game in the crowd. Are you kidding me? And wait, Julian, you sit hands? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've I've done that before. I don't know. But for me, it's like a guy who's new to the market and still trying to get to know, like, how Flames fans are and, like, how people, you know, do at these games. Like, I thought it was a worthwhile experience. I sat in for a Flames Hurricanes game last year and it went to overtime. It was a really fun time. And I think I got like recognized once. Like it, it's fine. I it's think it's totally cool. Like, like I I always say people ask me about, you know, whenever I talk to like students or anything like that, I like I, I tell them, like, look, you're going to lose your fandom, right? Like I'm not an yeah. Islanders fan anymore. Like it doesn't work that way. I have no emotional investment in any hockey, but I'm a bigger fan of the game than I've ever been. I watch yeah. more hockey than I've ever watched and I watch it with uh, with more interest than I do. And I know all about all these teams. You know, I'm studying for shows like this. And, you know, by watching some of these games, I never would have watched before. I love hockey more than I've ever loved hockey. And I grew up loving hockey. But I I cannot root for a team. It just feels strange to me. And being in the stands, like I went, like I've kind of cordoned off my New York Mets fandom, like baseball. I've never covered baseball. So that, that fandom is kind of pure and, and, and clean still to me. And I can yell at the TV and stuff, but like I went to a Mets game this past summer and I felt strange just like cheering for athletes because it's like, oh, well, I know these they are just dudes, man. It's weird. Like something about this job kind of makes it uncomfortable for me to be in the stands at a sporting event. I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hope I never lose that. I hope I never lose that because you're young. You'll get old and jaded like us, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I feel that in some parts of my life about being jaded and cynical, but like one of the reasons why I, I feel I, I'm able to exist and just have the personality that I have is being a sports fan. Like yeah. the New York Jets cause me pain every year, but I know they're going to cause me pain every year. So when they do well, I'm happy about it. Manchester United used to be the greatest club in the world. It's been a decade of darkness plus 
ever since Manchester City decided to come up. But I know when Manchester United does well, Dude, I can feel happy and overjoyed. I'm, I'm I getting, love I'm getting, that. I'm, I'm getting uh, almost unnervingly lost in my Knicks fandom again, which nothing oh, good has ever come from my Knicks fandom. Those mid '90s teams are like some of my favorite teams of all time, oh and I am I am getting swept up by this Knicks team, and I'm like I'm like the Michael Scott gift. I am just ready to get hurt again, man. Oh, dude man but th- that's it like why like i for but me with hockey in particular that's that's tough for me i don't know but, okay but like, okay here's the question it, though okay sorry for you go guys. ahead for, no let me ask you guys this question because yeah, it's yeah, actually yeah. this is a nice segue into yeah. the launch of the pwhl yeah and i'm one like so i went to the first ottawa game hosted montreal uh and i covered it with uh, Haley salvian we kind of uh did a, did a dual byline story it was a phenomenal event we'll talk about the, the start now, how does that work? Like, could I go? I don't think I can. I mean, I, I covered that. Well, the part, point is I, I covered them. I interviewed them. So I think that ship has sailed already. Yeah. So I think it's if over. You, if but, you can't wear like a like an Ottawa yeah, shirt jersey. I name, but, right? I, but I could wear. do that. Could I wear? I, I think I could wear a PWHL sweatshirt or hat. No? Or no? Is that wrong? Uh, it's it's mean, not a matter of right or wrong. It would Feel weird. Wait, Julian's wearing an NHL hat. Yeah, like, like I, as that's, that's, that's exactly what I well, was thinking. Well, if you like, know anything, is that Julian's a shill for Gary Bettman in the NHL. He always has. Oh my God! Don't do this. <laughs> if anything, I'd be more of a shill for. Man, I don't even remember the previous commissioner's name. All that to say, I think Gil Stein. Guilt, yeah, that's the name I was thinking of. I really was looking at his Wikipedia page the other day. I think you can go to hockey games <laughs> and just enjoy the product for what it is, and not try to. Uh, and not try to come across as like a fan or celebrate. Like, I think it's okay to like go to a game and see a player do well and be like, wow, like, you know, seeing Nathan McKinnon live, like, that's incredible. Like, I, I think that's, that's, I think that's okay to do, but you're also right, Mark. Like these guys are dudes and, and they're, they're people at the end of the day. And we also don't know everything about them and their, what if they do, you know, that's beyond part of it. You start seeing behind this part of it. Start feeling yeah. Like, maybe I don't want to be rooting for people. I don't know that have a lot of money and a lot of free time on their hands. Yeah, but I also think like the idea of going to a game, going to a, a sport that we cover, and like I think that's cool. But also, maybe I have a unique perspective because like I was very late in my, I mean, I was in my early twenties, I guess, when I went to my first NHL game proper. So maybe for me, it's like a very different experience to go to NHL games as just a neutral fan. Yeah, maybe, I feel like I feel like I had like, for me. I was thirty two when I got this when I started covering the Hawks. So I feel like I had like half of a lifetime to be a fan. And now I get to have like, you know, the second half of being, you know, an impartial observer who just loves the game, but doesn't care who wins. I guess that's how I look at it. Yeah. I, think it's unique I do generally me. root for the least to lose in the first round. Cause that's always funny. Yeah. I, what I root I for like... stories. Yeah, exactly. I root for yeah, stories. Sure, that's that's a story. Whether yeah. I'm writing it or not, I root for a good story. Me too. Why do I feel like Laz and I, for this conversation, we should have each had cigarettes and we'd be like, we're just, you know, we're old, bitter reporters. We're like, don't worry, kid. Someday you'll be like us. And I'm not. Don't, and I don't want. I don't want it to come across like I'm some. Like I, I think Ian, you're the same way. We're not like these. Like there's a lot of jaded curmudgeons in this business. That, yeah, we're not. We're, we're curmudgeons. Hockey. We're, we're, we're not curmudgeons. Bad. Yeah, we're we curmudgeons. We're not curmudgeons. jaded. Yeah, we're like. I, I still love my job. I love that I get to do this. I love being at games. I just feel. I would feel strange in sitting among the fans at an NHL game. I would be like. I don't want to clap. I don't want to make a noise. I don't want to stand up. I just want to sit here you don't quietly. Have to. You don't have to. At least I don't feel I have to. I think it's okay. Like, I, I think, especially in hockey, I feel just I, like my distance, my Canadians fandom years ago, 
And I honestly, I think it's cool to just like watch a game and be completely relaxed and know that you don't have a dog in this fight. You could see other people lose their minds and cry if their team doesn't do well or feel see them experience the feeling of joy, which is cool for them. But like you could just be cool the whole time and just not let your emotions go up and down. I think it's an enjoyable experience to do. I'm, that. I'm, a, I'm obsessed with the idea of fandom. Like I did a story a few years ago on talking to the, the players in the NHL, like, do you still have your fandoms, whether it's in hockey or anything else? Like, and do you think once you retire, you can go back to being a Red Wings fan or whatever, you know? And it, it, it's a weird thing because once you're in the NHL, can you really get wrapped up in like what Bizonette is doing with the Leafs? Like, I know a lot of it is shtick, but like, can you do that? Can you just go back to meatball mode after you've been in the league? Like, I'm fascinated by the mentality of, of, of fandom. It's just a, a weird obsession of mine. Yeah, no, no, I, mm-hmm. it's there's no right or wrong answer. I think as long as, especially if you're a reporter, as long as you are, you can be passionate and objective, right? I think there's too many, you know what I mean? I think there's a lot of reporters who think that in order to be objective, you sort of have to remove an Mm -hmm. emotional element and that's the danger, right? You don't, don't lose it. Maybe you, I think guys like Laz and I, we may have lost the fandom, but we haven't lost the passion. If that I think sense. that's a good way of right? putting it. Yes. That's, that's a, a perfect it. way of putting it. Um, uh, I know I know you intended on talking about the P-Dub yeah. with that, but like, I, I mean, maybe it's because I, I currently live in a market that doesn't have a P-Dub team, but like, I'd be excited about it. I, I can understand I'm for each of us. Hell. Yeah. Like, I want yeah, them to be I can, in Chicago. I think for, because we cover hockey and if the P-Dub is really successful, it's totally possible. There's a world where we see a PWHL team in Chicago or Calgary. And then if it gets to a point where you have to cover those teams, then okay, you can't really be fans of those teams. But I think if you're watching a game and you're taking in this new league and you're looking at all the new rules, Ian has it right. You're allowed to be, have some sort of passion or, or be excited about how they're going about certain things. But I don't think you necessarily have to be a fanboy. I I think there's a way to do it. Yeah. And, and you know, it was remarkable. So last week I went to the Ottawa game against Montreal at the time it set an attendance record for the largest ever crowd to watch a professional women's hockey game in North America. About 8,300 people came. That record didn't even last a hundred hours because That's on insane. the weekend, Minnesota, in Minnesota, man. let me get the exact number here. 13316 at XL energy. Center. Again, it's Montreal in town. Uh, so two record setting uh, attendances in the first week. The television numbers have been really, really impressive. Uh, uh, just under a million people tuned in in Canada, 880,000 people tuned in. Uh, the streaming on the YouTube, as I look at this, their average, they've got over 5 million impressions of the first five games, average uh, just over 100,000 viewers per game. Like, guys, I walked into a hotel. My daughter had a tournament on the weekend and we were away. And we walked into the hotel lobby just outside of Toronto and into the hotel lobby. What's playing on the big screens? PWHL. Yeah. And it was really not jarring isn't the right word, but it was just, it was like, wow, like I I think we've done it. I think we're here. Like all like I guess my point is, could you guys envision a better opening week for a league that was, you know, under some pressure? They didn't have the team nicknames and there was questions about where they were gonna play. Could you envision a better opening week for the PWHL? Well, I wish they were on TV of some sort here in the States. Like, even Can you not get them? So YouTube, YouTube? You, should, you should be able to get them on YouTube. I mean, I know you're not a YouTube guy, but YouTube that's, is available. Again, that's not TV to a lot of people. You know, like, I got you, got you, got you. I mean, yeah. Ian just said the YouTube. So there's a whole generation of people. I didn't say the YouTube. Definitely did say the YouTube. You didn't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> there's no way. And if I did, it was an accident. I that's wouldn't right. call I it the key. It's on, it's on the market. Just said he had it on MSG. It is on 
uh, locally in like in the Northeast, you can see it on, yes. MS, on MSG Network. That that doesn't do me any good here in Chicago. Uh, you, I, I did watch it on YouTube. That's the only way you can watch it. But uh, you know, to, to to get the biggest audience possible, you need to be on like real real stream TV. Um, so I'd like to have that. Um, but it's hard. Look, not to be Debbie Downer here, but let's see what the attendance is a month from now, two months from now. That's going to be the real arbiter. Like every new and exciting is always new and exciting. I really hope, and I think in a lot of they chose these markets wisely. They're going to do well. They're going to get a lot of fans at these games. Probably not going to be thirteen thousand at every game in Minnesota. That's probably not realistic, but they're going to have a real presence. There's this is there's there's finally the like the the, the you know the, the the leagues of the past were were good quality hockey, but this is the first time where there seems to be a, a, a more widespread credibility to the league, where everyone is kind of agreeing this is what we've been waiting for. And I've heard of these people, and these are these are people I've seen international games for years now. Uh, there's it's got star power. It's got you know TVs in, uh, in in Canada behind it. This is great, and we all want this to succeed, and we all want it to expand to our cities. Um, we have to be cautious about getting too overexcited because we need to see how long it lasts and and, and see how consistent it is. But yeah, you could not have had a better week. It's a week to start. This has been, uh, I think, better than anyone possibly could have expected. Yeah, Mark's got it right. They 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 got some some viewers. They got some some good attendance numbers. It's a great start. I I hope they're able to sustain it going forward. I think what will help, which is kind of weird because we we made a big deal about the fact that the jerseys look the way that they did and the team names are that are that they are. One thing that's going to help is when they eventually change them. And once new things pop up with yeah. that league and more merchandise is available for people to sell, that's going to get people excited all over again. I think that's going to I mean, I wasn't sure about it as an idea, but maybe that's the play. Maybe that's a well, way to help. Yes, baby. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's what it is. But yeah, I think they have a good start. And I do like how accessible it is. And I do like the fact that it's one league and it's not a situation where you have two leagues and some of the best players are split between both leagues and you don't know which league you should follow. Like you having it in just one place where you're watching the best talent. I think that's 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 a big reason why they're success. Yeah, no terrific metrics. And like you said, Mark, we hope it continues. We'll see how these next uh, few weeks play. Honestly, out, I think the fact that we have people covering it here, yeah, at the Athletic, we're like we're gonna we're treating it like the real the the, the big deal that it actually is. Act two, the 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 press does play a role in these things, right? If we give it credit, if we lend our credibility to it, that helps, and it helps us because it gives us more you know people that are gonna read our stuff. It's 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 symbiotic. I'll tell you, I sat down. Just a quick anecdote here, just to, as we wrap. I sat down in the press conference after Ottawa's first game, and their head coach Carlo McLeod, who is just a amazing spokesperson, terrific interview. And McLeod sits into her chair, just so picture any press conference room that you would you know, normally see a coach after the game. She sits down in there and she looks out and she's like, whoa. She's like, I can't believe this. So, you know, seven or eight television cameras. I, I think it was about 30, 25, 30 reporters were wow. jammed in this room. It's and packed. she's like, before I say anything, and and her team just lost three to two, right? So usually when a coach comes up to a podium, they've lost an overtime game, they're going to be down. She's like, "Can I just say something? This is amazing, and I, we need you to keep telling our stories. Please, please keep coming back." And I just thought, what a great like. Anyway, it was fantastic. The whole thing has been, uh, I think, run as well as it can be under the circumstances to put this all together. And and you said, uh, Mark, that we're covering this like a real league. Haley Salvian is knocking this thing out of the park on television yeah, up really here well in Canada. Uh, on uh, obviously on on the written side as well, just dynamite stuff from Haley. 
So it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and we have to invest in storytelling around this league. So it's a, it's a great point uh, that you make. All right, we will leave it there. Uh, why don't we take email questions for, uh, for, for, why don't we actually only take email questions from Jets fans for Mike Russo? Uh, because Russo is joining the show on Tuesday with Julian and I, and you never know, maybe they got some questions for him. I don't know right. if they'll have question marks at the end of them. Yeah. I, I just hope those are questions and not threats. Uh, the athletic hockey show at gmail.com is how you can reach us via email, voicemail, 845-445-8459. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to that one with Mike Russo. Uh, Laz, this was a ton of fun, man. Thanks for uh, for hanging out with us here for the past hour. Always, man. Always fun. Uh, this was great. Julian, as always, happy uh, New Year to you, buddy. This was, uh, this was happy great. Happy New Year to you, too, my man. Yeah, this was great to, uh, to return uh, back to the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. We want to thank everybody for listening to us here on this Monday. And a reminder, you can follow us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. Right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit athletic.com slash hockey show.